Hello, folks, and welcome to episode number 12 of the Film Ruminations podcast. I am your host, Jason. I did not say that in the last episode. I'm sorry, just a stranger in your ear. I am here this week with another Warner Archive Collection roundup. I have a stack of their most recent releases, and I wanted to go ahead and and I wanted to go ahead and just kind of give you a big old shot of Warner Archive Collection. First up from them in this episode, I have a trilogy here of Tarzan movies that they very recently released. The first one is Tarzan's Greatest Adventure, uh, Survival of the Fiercest. A driven man ape hunts his human prey. The, the mighty Lord of the Apes, played by Gordon Scott, is on a deadly trail. He is determined to find diamond hunters, including Anthony Quayle and Sean Connery, who brought terror and death to a peaceful village. But as much as Tarzan is a tracker and avenger, he's also a protector. An irresistible gadfly from the so-called civilized world intrudes on his quest, and Tarzan knows he cannot leave her to fend for herself. Tarzan's Greatest Adventure is a widely applauded as one of the best and most grown-up films in the entire film annals of the, jung uh, of the Jungle Lord's exploits. It's a superior action yarn shot on location in Africa, more adult than most of its predecessors. Tarzan is a much expanded Tarzan has a much expanded vocabulary. That's from Leonard Maltin's movie guide. Um, the only special feature on this is a trailer. Uh, but it does have Sean Connery. Now, just as a little bit of a heads up, the film opens with blackface. So just so you know, walking through the door that there's already something that is just going to probably tweak you in the wrong way uh, until you learn that, and this is just being generous, that they're only in blackface because they're pretending to be natives while they steal some dynamite. They're, it's very uh, firm proof that they're bad guys. They come in there and they murder, they steal some dynamite just to get some, some diamonds, and um, the the main uh, diamond thief gets a, a strange attraction to uh, hunt and I assume murder Tarzan, who is no longer your stereotypical ape man. He's just a, a handsome, athletic um, hunk. I'll be honest with you. Uh, it's it's a very very pretty movie. Um, it's actors, it's actresses, it's locations. It does look glorious. Um, the restoration on this is is it's quite fine. It's it's got uh, some some grainy shots. There's some uh, rear projection that's kind of obvious, but it's uh, blackface aside, it is a call it a fairly interesting and entertaining action adventure Saturday afternoon when it's raining movie um, and that's Tarzan's greatest adventure next up on this list we have uh, Tarzan goes to India 
New Tarzan, new jungle, new adventure. No need to land a plane when Tarzan flies to India. Just fly over an inland lake, and the loincloth hero will leap into the blue depths. Jack Mahoney, with two years earlier portrayed Tarzan's foe in Tarzan the Magnificent, makes his splashy debut as Tarzan in a tale about the ape man's rescue of elephants who will be doomed when a newly built dam unleashes its waters. John Gullerman, uh, Tarzan's Greatest Adventure and the Towering Inferno directs, combining a colorful subcontinent locals, locales with battles large and thunderous, massive bull elephants, small and fierce cobra versus mongoose, cunning and treacherous Tarzan against human foes. No matter where the jungle, there is but one jungle lord. Okay, first off, um, similar to the idea of the blackface, this does have some animal-on-animal -animal violence, and I know that that's going to be an immediate turnoff for some folks, and I did not care for it. I just looked past that and did something else while that was on screen. Um, I would not go into this expecting very much, because it does not come out giving very much. Um, uh, much like... Much like Tarzan's Greatest Adventures, it does have uh, a, a, a fun action-adventure uh, hero movie, but it's also fairly um, predictable. Uh, it's also fairly predictable, and I, I, I guess you kind of know that going into it, but it's okay. It's not great. I would not... Uh, highly recommend it. Um, I will say that uh, there are there is not even a trailer for this one on the disc. I will also say, just as a heads up, it could be my copy. I don't know for sure, but I did have a few problems getting this to read the first time in my Blu-ray player. The final of our Tarzan films is Tarzan's Three Challenges. Can the Ape Man triumph over Highlands Jungle Perils. No stranger from Africa can turn the course of our destiny. But never underestimate a stranger named Tarzan by Jock Mahoney. Over miles of obstacles, he will lead a young heir to Thailand's spiritual throne to his ordination and undue warlord Khan, played by Woody Strode, at his plot to secure the title for his son. First, however, the ape-man must prove to be the heir that he is Tarzan by passing tests of skill, strength, and wisdom. Ahead lies a still greater challenge, Tarzan versus Khan. In a bungee-jumping, sword-clanging, flame-dancing death duel, this is the second and the last of Mahoney's Tarzans, filmed to a colorful effect in Thailand was not without real-life challenges. Illness caused Mahoney to lose 40 pounds from his taut athletic frame. And that's where the box ends. What I would also add, it's it's awfully racist. Just... <sighs> okay, let's... As soon as I realized that the film was going to be set in the Orient... <coughs> that the film was going to be set in Asia, I had 
uh, a stinging no. As soon as I realized that the film was going to be set in Asia, I became nervous. I Hollywood has, for a very, very long time, had a problem with hiring Asians to play Asians. And this is no different. I couldn't even, I did not even want to watch this movie. Um, it could be the finest picture ever created. It's not. But it could have been. I would not know that because I couldn't get um, past about 20 minutes into it before I realized it was A, going to be rehashing because it's a Tarzan movie. You expect the same thing every time. But it was also just the 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 whitewashing. Um, and I I understand that the film I understand that the film was made uh, many, many years ago when it was still acceptable, but um, I don't see what value the Warner Archive collection could have seen in releasing this one. Um, if you're a completionist of Tarzan films, it looks good that they did a, a fine job um, transferring it. There is only a trailer, so you're not going to get any insight into it. Uh, but there you have it. Uh, Tarzan's Three Challenges. Now, I want to move forward to uh, a couple pretty... Okay, before I start talking about our next film, I want you to know that in, in about five minutes, things are going to start to turn around and get positive. However, first I have to talk about Year of the Dragon. This is a Michael Camino film. It was written by um, Oliver Stone. So going in, going into it, I had hopes. I am a fan of Oliver Stone's work. Uh, I have not seen a Michael Camino film that I've cared for. This will be the second one that I've seen. Um, and I knew going into it, reading a little bit online ahead of time, that, um, you know what, let me read it back here. <sighs> Rex Reed from the New York Post writes, Exciting, explosive, daring, and adventurous stuff. Corruption, extortion, sometimes even assassination. From the tradition-bound mob bosses of Manhattan's Chinatown, there are all age-old ways of running things. And now, there's police captain Stanley White's way. Mickey Rourke portrays White, a war veteran, who has a Vietnam-sized chip on his shoulder when dealing with the emerging blood feud in Chinatown. John Lone plays the crime lord standing as the line of fire of White's relentless campaign. And Academy Awarding director Michael Camino from The Deer Hunter and Thunder, uh, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, uh, working from a screenplay based on a novel by Robert Daly and co-scripted by Oliver Stone, fills the screen with adrenaline rushes and action and excitement. I have not watched Deer Hunter. That's the... I, I hope that I can watch that and really get on something. I, um, Heaven's Gate is the film uh, that I had seen. I also didn't care for I appreciated it, but I didn't care for it. I did not really appreciate Year of the Dragon. The Wikipedia is quick to point out that... Um, Mickey Rourke plays 
a racist cop. It doesn't really go too deep into that. It's awfully clear that he does not care for Asian people, uh, even though he somehow gets a job in Chinatown, uh, which it seems it seems like a bad move by the police force to put a, a person with a, a emotional vendetta against Asian um, citizens um, in charge of Chinatown in New York City. What I can tell you is it wasn't bad. The, the writing was, was very, uh, it's a very high quality script. And again, Oliver Stone, I expect nothing less. Um, and it was filmed well, but it was, I want to say it was so poorly edited. I'm not going to say that the actual physical cut was bad. I'm going to say like the editing when it comes to pacing and, and length was bad. The movie, at, uh, it felt like I was at about hour six when I found out that I was actually at 90 minutes. It just seemed to go on and on and on. And the movie got resurrected by uh, Quentin Tarantino. And it does have a, a very fine train sequence at the end. But getting there is a slog. I, I man, I just cannot... Uh, I can't imagine revisiting this. Uh, I know that by saying Quentin Tarantino, somebody out there that is listening to this is going to buy this and think that they're going to learn, uh, like it's the Rosetta Stone, something special and deep about uh, the director. Uh, I didn't. Um, but you might. That is Year of the Dragon. <coughs> As I said, we're going to move on to some... Now, as I had suggested, we are going to move forward with some very fine films. First up is um, a Paul Newman film. Well, it's not really a Paul Newman film. First up is a film called The Prize. From the screenwriter of North by Northwest, a colorful caper starring Paul Newman. Top writers, scientists, and leaders converge annually in Stockholm to take part in the awarding of the prestigious Nobel Prize. Ugh. Excuse me. This year, however, some honorees will find a great event eclipsed by a greater challenge, staying alive. Paul Newman is up to his famed baby blues in danger and intrigue as Andrew Craig, a hard-drinking author and Nobel winner for literature. At first dismissive of his award and only interested in the cash uh, that it brings, Craig finds his writerly instincts and wit sharpened when he senses the physics prize winner, played by Edward G. Robinson, is an imposter. He sets out to expose the hoax, free-falling into a Cold War ploy on secrets, pursuits, uh, subterfuge and assassins adapted for the screen by uh, from Irving Wallace's bestseller 
with Spice and Wit by Ernest Lehman, um, who wrote North by Northwest and The Sweet Smell of Success. And it is directed by Mark Robson. Uh, it, unfortunately, only has a trailer on here. Now, if it says Paul Newman on the front, um, I'm, I'm ready for it. Uh, not all of his movies are uh, top dog, but this one just it, it was it hit me on my sweet spot when I watched it. Uh, and then when you add in uh, Edward G. Robinson, I was uh, this it's 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 one I don't wouldn't want to pass up. It's also one that I had never heard of before. Um, the Paul Newman, as the as the back suggests, is a writer who wrote, uh, obviously, a book, will uh, a book on the level of a Nobel Prize, but he also has a problem with uh, keeping pace. He had talked about a follow-up piece of literature that he was working on, and it was all a big lie that he used just to get people uh, off his back. Um, what he's actually been doing to pay the bills is just writing cheap detective novels. And as soon as he says this during an interview, uh, the, the fine Swedish gentleman in charge of the ceremonies shuts the interview down because he doesn't want this, this uh, bastion of literary excellence to be talking about how he's just writing tawdry detective novels. And then he becomes the detective uh, because he meets Edward G. Robinson playing the physicist at the beginning of the film. And then the next day he meets Edward G. Robinson who has never seen him before in his life. And he realizes right then and there that something is amiss and he, he cannot sleep until he figures it out. Uh, the film's got some really high quality action the performances are excellent. Um, I, I, I would mark this, this one pretty high uh, on your list that you should definitely want to check this one out. It's called The Prize. Um, it just uh, probably came out about a month ago. Uh, the Prize. Next up we have a movie that I wanted to watch a long time ago that I never got around to. And it's called Judgment Night. A 90s cult action hit returns. Noted producer and director, noted producer director Stephen Hopkins, The Life and Death of Peter Sellers, 42, Predator 2, 24, Predator 2, navigates the harrowing journey of four suburban men into the nightmarish neighborhoods of Chicago's crime infested underworld. When four young men, played by Emilio Estevez, Cuba Gooding Jr., Stephen Dorff, and Jeremy Piven, take a wrong turn on their way to a boxing match in, this, in a state-of-the-art RV, they witness a murder. Now the killer leader, the killer, now the killer's leader, played by Dennis Leary, cannot let them live. And the four must find their way to safety while being hunted through Chicago's meanest streets with a powerhouse cast. This edge-of-your-seat thriller takes viewers on a life-and-death road trip into terror. The, the poster that I had seen uh, when I was much, much younger 
uh, had Emilio Estevez and Cuba Gooding Jr. And I was a fan of Dennis Leary. And I don't know why I never actually watched this movie before. It is the exact kind of movie that was made for me. And it's... Looking back at it today, uh, I, we're kind of lucky that it achieved some level of cult status so that it might be it might be uh, re-elevated um, and re-released uh, today uh, for our uh, modern entertainment. I gotta tell you though that it's very clearly a '90s movie. Um, it's it kind of plays off of the like the there's a little bit of like a Rodney King sort of uh, feeling in the city. Um, the cops aren't on your side and it's uh, it's fairly the characters are all kind of a stereotype. Emilio Estevez is the new married father. Jeremy Piven is the undeniably wealthy businessman. Uh, Stephen Dorff is Emilio Estevez's uh, slacker brother, and Cuba Gooding Jr. is the black guy. He has uh, enough success to get him into the suburbs, but he still has, there's still an, an air given to his character that it just, it feels old. Uh, not bad, just old. And uh, Dennis Leary, I guess, makes a believable crime boss. He's I mean, he's the same character in everything that I've seen. And that's not, a, again, not a bad thing. Um, this is a, a very fun movie to revisit. If, if a young person is listening and a young person wants to watch this, you might want to pass because you probably, it's probably not going to sit right. Um, but for other people, this is a fun way to spend uh, a, a Friday night. And that that is Judgment Night. Next up on our list, we have a movie that I never, ever would have even... Next up on our list, we have a film that I never would have ever. Next up on our list, we have a film that I never ever would have assumed would be released by the Warner Archive Collection. Up until right now, uh, in my memory, I don't know of a more modern film seeing release in the Archive Collection, um, and I know I, I might be leading some mystery here that might be a little undeserved, but it is Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson in Starsky and Hutch. Here comes the fuzz. Starsky takes the wheel, Hutch rides shotgun, and comedy runs wild in this, hilarity, uh, in this hilarious twist on a landmark buddy cop TV show. Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson bring a playful chemistry to the roles of undercover de detectives Starsky and Hutch. Todd Phillips from the Hangover Trilogy directs this 1970 grooves in which our guys are stripped to the badges, duped by a drug kingpin played by Vince Vaughn, and are totally ripped off in a disco contest. So, yeah, 
They've got some scores to settle. Snoop Dogg in a fly funkadelic mode as the urban coolster Huggy Bear and Juliette Lewis and others make this up for nonstop fun. If introducing laughter is a crime, then they're all guilty as charged. Long-time visitors to the site are going to know that I love Owen Wilson movies. Um, I have not seen them all. Uh, I kind of just let them come to me as they will. This is a movie that, at the time, I didn't see. Uh, Owen Wilson plays Owen Wilson. Ben Stiller plays Ben Stiller. Uh, ben Stiller plays an edgy Ben Stiller. Um, there was a moment in the early 2000s, for people that might not be aware or have forgotten intentionally or otherwise, in which Hollywood, people in Hollywood, thought it would be a fun idea to take serious TV shows, somewhat serious TV shows from the 70s and 80s and make them into modern comedies. And it was a very short-lived tradition, and I imagine you could understand why. This is a fun movie. And when I, when I say that these, like, the, this is a fun movie, I appreciated every moment of it. Um, it had some, I mean, it's not a great movie, and I don't want you to think that it would ever be added to a, uh, like an AFI top 100 films list. Um, but it's still a fun movie. Um, I think that it has its place and it's going to have its fans. And I would tell you right now, I am a fan and I want people to watch this movie uh, because uh, how do I want to say this? It's a it's a well made piece of comedy. It uh, it did not need to be set in the seventies. It could have been set in the two thousands. Uh, it that just added a little bit to it. Uh, it it does have uh, several special features, which I'm sure just ports over. Uh, it has a gag rail, deleted scenes, fashion for shizzle, uh, wit huggy bizzle. Uh, I did not watch that. Uh, a last look. Making of doc, uh, excuse me, a last look making of mockumentary commentary, a last look making of mockumentary, and a commentary by the director and co-writer Don Phillips. The uh, last look makes this release viable. Um, it's not. It doesn't really give you any insight into anything in the film uh it is just the the actors talking about how horrible of a time it was uh, clearly uh if you watch the film and you watch the gag reel and the outtakes everybody involved did have uh, apparently had a good time um but it was it was some of the driest humor that i ever heard come out of ben stiller or owen wilson's mouth and it makes this release viable it makes it something that if i were to pare down my collection this would still have a place in it so that is starsky and hutch
And our last film, gotta say, I saved the best for last. Our last film is a Blake Edwards film called Wild Rovers. One of the best Western films of the 1970s uh, by Ted Sennett, uh, the great Hollywood Westerns. Lifelong ranch hands Ross Bodine decides cow punching is no kind of life. So he and a raw cowboy half his age rob a bank and get cash they and get the cash needed to improve his livelihood. So he and a raw cowboy half his age rob a bank to get the cash each needs to improve his lot. An in, an, in, an indignant posse is soon in pursuit. Filmmaker Blake Edwards made his name with the Pink Panther and earlier comedies, but he has showed great skill in other genres with the thriller Experiments in Terror and the drama Days of Wine and Roses and Nuanced Peon pay and this Nuanced Peon and this film in the West. In performances perfect, perfectly in performances perfectly matching Edwards' balance of rowdy comedy and hard scrabble period realism, William Holden and Ryan O'Neill play fugitive saddle bums. With Holden drawing special praise, as he grows older, he grows better, like a great old wine. All of the reverberations from the previous rules are beginning to sound. And that's from Roger Ebert. Uh, this film does have a special feature on the making of the film. This is not a movie that I was familiar with. I am a humongous fan of William Holden and an even bigger fan of Ryan O'Neill. So when I hold on, I'm looking this up real quick to get some more information. It doesn't score very high on Rotten Tomatoes or on INDB, but that doesn't matter. Uh, because it also had Carl Malden, Tom Skerritt, and Jodan Baker. At its heart, it is a bland heist and two guys just out there trying to survive with oodles of money. Uh, you know, by oodles, I mean a very, very small town bank's vault's worth of money. But to them, it was more than they could have ever imagined. And they're trying to make their way to Mexico. Uh, Tom Skerritt and Jodan Baker are the sons of the ranch owner um, where Ryan O'Neill and William Holden worked. And they vowed to their father that no matter what happened, they would catch the two thieves. And from at the start, I was not sure how I was going to feel about it. You know, again, cast alone, I'm in, you know. Uh, so that I was ready for it, no, no matter what direction it took. Um, at first, I kind of thought, you know, as a, um, I'm a Blake Edwards fan from the Pink Panther films. And, you know, you have an idea of what a director can do. I'm not very familiar with his other work. I've seen a handful here and there. But this, so I had an expectation of like a Western comedy. And uh, 
if you've been around the site, you know I'm not a humongous Western fan. I can enjoy them. Uh, the film looks great. The, it was shot spectacularly. Um, the the visuals uh, are are beyond um, not really beyond anything. The the visuals uh, will draw you in and keep you in. And the but the performances is uh, really where it's at. William Holden and Ryan O'Neill just from start to finish are perfect. And uh, I. I'm saddened that I'm not familiar with this film, and I'm saddened that other people may not be. And that's why I am so, so grateful to, to, to labels like the Warner Archive. In this episode, in the last half an hour, I've kind of dogged on some of the releases, and, and it's not... It's, it's important for me to, to kind of use that to illustrate when they really get one right... It, it kind of just completely separates them from the, the, the other releases that they also put out. Every release that they put out has a home somewhere. Somebody wants it. And sometimes they put out a film that is just... Uh, it, it just... Man, I just want to say love, you know. The, the the male relationship between O'Neill and Holden, it's, again, they're bank robbers, so, you know, they're not really great role models, but just to see these two men being able to connect on, on a level that we don't talk about enough, um, even today, is, is, a, is a wonderful example. And uh, Wild, Wild Rovers, you haven't heard of it? That's understandable. You're hearing about it now. You really need to pick this up. Um, at the very least, uh, a couple times a year, Warner Archives has a a, a buy four and they're eleven dollars each, uh, four or more, and they're eleven dollars each. Even if you got to wait for that, that's fine. But this one, you, you definitely, I, I really want you to put this on your list. So, and there you have it, folks. It's another Warner Archive roundup. And once again, from the top, we have Tarzan's Greatest Adventure. Consider picking this one up. It's not bad. Next, we had Tarzan Goes to India, if you want to. Next, we have Tarzan's Three Challenges. Maybe pass on that one. Hard pass on that one. Next is Year of the Dragon, a movie. Again, it was important to Quentin Tarantino, so it might be important to you. There's uncomfortable racism. There's uncomfortable sexual situations. That's a pass from me. Next up, we had The Prize with Paul Newman. And that movie is just wonderful. And it's worth every penny. And put that one on that four for, for, uh, 44 list as well. That's The Prize. Next up, we have Judgment Night, a, a fine film for the right audience. Next, Starsky and Hutch. Again, right audience, right film. Last, Wild Rovers for everybody. I think that you show this, if you're a father, show this to your son, just so that they can, once they're ready to uh, look past the idea of a bank robbery, but just to, to be able to see a, a father figure and a son figure and their relationship as adults. Um, and it, it, I think it'd really be a, a, 
uh, a great uh, a great moment that you'd be able to have. So of these, uh, my definites, Wild Rovers, and the prize, my probabilities, Judgment Night, and Starsky and Hutch. I really appreciate everybody that's listening right now. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I hope that you're having a, a, a great year so far, and I, I hope that it uh, continues to bring you some hope and some joy. And I hope that um, you reach back to me, uh, chat with me, and uh, let's uh, have a conversation. So again, this is Jason. This is the Film Ruminations Podcast, Episode 12, and thank you very much.